the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll with your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian discuss current events from a biblical worldview, so we as believers can influence for good in our culture and in the public square. Here is Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Hello, Biblical Citizens. You know, one of our listeners' favorite episodes during the past two and a half years was our interview in 2021 with G. Edward Griffin. We are so happy to have him back with us today. As a review, Mr. Griffin is the author of the best-selling book, The Creature from Jekyll Island on the Founding of the Federal Reserve, and a lot of other things in addition to being a writer. G. Edward Griffin's a documentary film producer. He's founder of Freedom Force International, and he produces Red Pill Expo conferences, which we have attended. He has a special talent for researching difficult topics like how does the world really work and presenting them in clear terms. Edward, welcome. Well, thank you. It's good to be back on your show. He's also listed in Who's Who in America. You forgot that one. Oh, I didn't put... There's all kinds of things I could have said, but we wouldn't add any time for the show. So, so, Edward, it's it's been a couple years that we've talked to you. Last time you explained about the Cecil Rhodes group that was founded in the 19th century that's been behind the scenes, that their goal has been to control the world through finances and through politics and they, and they don't even have a name professor quigley in his book talked about them as the anglo-american establishment and everybody should read that book too but we encourage our listeners to go back and listen to that background uh it's it's podcast number 46 you can get it on our KPRC website or any podcast platform. But you also explained about the outer rings of this secret group that in, have infiltrated many of our established institutions like our universities, our think tanks, our media, our business roundtables, our governments, and groups like CF, the Council on Foreign Relations. And what is a really hot topic now that more people are becoming aware of is the World Economic Forum. So... Um, you know, we just want to know your opinion, get an update on what what progress these people have made, what you are thinking as to what's going on right now, especially with the World Economic Forum. I mean, they're having that big meeting in Davos. and Just just give us an update. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know about the update. It's more, more of the same. You know how that works. Uh, I wish they would to change their modus operandi because they're doing pretty good from their point of view as it is. Um, yeah, they, they just uh, prefer to remain way behind the scenes. They don't, uh, they don't like talking to the general public. They, 
they love to talk to themselves at secret meetings or semi-secret meetings. And uh, their plans never have changed from the beginning. It is a global global government based on the model of collectivism. And um, I always include that phrase, based on the model of collectivism, because I want to explain uh, briefly here that I'm not opposed to government or go- global government as such. My, oh, my concern has always been what kind of government. You know, everybody just assumes that all governments are the same, and in a, in a certain sense they are, but they don't have to be. Uh, I, would, I just wanted to make it, it clear that, theoretically at least, theoretically, that's an important word, um, the uh, United Nations or any other uh, global state uh, structure could be based on the principles of the American Constitution originally, with protection of human rights and personal liberties and privacy and all those things. Checks and if, balances, too. Checks and yeah. balances, yeah, the whole whole schmear there. And if they did that, I'd, I'd have to say, hmm, like, let me learn more about this. This sounds interesting. So the fact that it's global government or world government is kind of a, a trigger word for a lot of people. They think, oh, my goodness, world government. Well, uh, it, that's not the problem. It's what kind of world government. And uh, so I just want to make that little point as we move along. So hmm. th- this group has always been uh, in favor of uh, global government based on the model of collectivism, which means tyranny. Tyranny yeah. at a very high level because under collectivism, they, they, the tyrants convince the people that it's all for their own good, and therefore they should be happy about it. And uh, pretty much it works that way. You know, last time we talked to you, and it's hot in the news right now because they're meeting, as you know, right now in Davos, Switzerland, World Economic Forum. This is their 52nd annual meeting. And as as I recall from a couple years ago when we talked to you about this, um, you weren't I'm not. I don't recall. Actually, I don't recall if you said we, they were one of the outer rings of this long time, more than century old movement, or if they're, you know, how inner circle they are. But what do you think now? Do, they they are more open, I think, than the CFR, and that you do see reports. I see reports every morning from CNBC with these these, uh, you know. Kind of, I call them bogus reporters for NBC, lavishing praise from Davos. But there they are, sitting in the Alps. But they do have clips of different talks there and so on. Uh, what, what, what's your take right now on the World Economic Forum? Well, you know, I have to admit that I don't really know exactly how that structure fits in with the overall plan. In the beginning, or let's say a couple of years ago, or three or four years ago, I would have said without hesitation, that the uh, WEP was a sort of a, a circle, a very small circle, close to the center. But now, as you have correctly pointed out, they are, they're quite public. They're, they seem to enjoy the publicity and uh, the acknowledgement in uh, public media. And uh, it may be that it's more than just enjoying it. It may be that they figured now is the time to uh, drop all pretense and just blatantly say out in the open what we're up to because we're coming to the uh, to the closing session here. We're we're coming to the finish, the finish line. We have to cross the line, and if you're going to win the race, you have to be visible. And I have come to think that that's more or less what the truth is. That the the group has preferred to remain pretty much in the background. Hard to do when you're 
dealing with such high-profile people as this, and it's hard to do when you increasingly get more and more uh, media attention, even even though you may not be seeking it. But a lot of people like to talk about this this high-powered, uh, influential group in meeting in Switzerland, of all places, and out in the cold weather and all that sort of thing. So it's kind of dramatic, and it's, it's, it makes for good headlines and so forth. But nevertheless, it seems like they have decided that now is the time to forget any kind of pretense or concealment and just say, yep, here we are. Uh, we really do want to put all of you people out of your homes and out of your private property and uh, and uh, cause you to rent everything from us. And um, and if you can't afford it, but don't worry, we'll take care of you. We'll give it to you free through the government. But then, of course, you have to do everything we say, including what time you get up in the morning and, and what you have for dinner. So... Uh, that seems to be the, where it is today, and that's that's my tentative opinion: is that they've decided to to make a a mad dash break for the finish line, because um, people are waking up, people are asking questions, and uh, I guess that's the first step in waking up. You wake up and say, "Hmm, where am I?" You know that sort of thing, and uh, I think that's what's going on. So they've decided, I believe, just to drop drop all the pretense and let everybody know what it is that they're planning to do and along the way try and convince them that it's a good thing that's all for their own good. Right, because they, they've built a lot of their infrastructure, it seems like. They've gotten the big tech monopolies and and all the governments of the world with their people in them, and they, they saw how successful they were with COVID, and that was their window of opportunity, as they said, and it did accelerate their agenda during that, but it it seems to me like they're getting a lot of pushback and people are getting more onto them and and that's not going to go well i mean in their favor because now they are out in the open they are openly stating you'll have no property and you'll be happy and like one person said you had you had a speaker at the red pill conference in fact his the title of his talk was Without any property, we are property. And yeah, and so, you know, that's where we are. There's this big battle, and it's information warfare. And wow, who's going to win? But they are, going, they are going to the finish line. I understand that because Agenda 2030, uh, according to my calculations, that's about seven years away. That's a pretty compressed time frame to have things like no meat and no gas cars. And what are we talking about today in California, if not across most of the country? No gas stoves. Ban all gas stoves. And these concepts that... I guess to the common working person must seem like they come absolutely out of the air, but yet these are the things talked about at the W at the World Economic Forum and similar confabs. Well, yeah, that's it exactly. The, uh, they don't come out of the air, indeed. They come out of the uh, strategy sessions of the WEP and uh, the some of the WEF. Other- yeah, W. Yeah, WEF. Yeah. Thank you for the correction. Yeah, it comes out of those conferences. And they know exactly what they're doing. It's not out of the air. But the, I think for our purposes, we have to be aware of what they're doing. Um, you know, they're, as I said before, they're trying to make all of this look as though it's for the, the good of society. It's for the good of the people. And that's how they, that's the trick they try and uh, always have the, the so-called high ground and all of this. We're doing this for you folks. We're doing this to prevent poverty and injustice and wars and 
and hunger and all those things, when in fact, in fact, the opposite is the case. What their total strategy is to do everything in the name of helping society, but actually is designed to destroy society so that everything winds up in a garbage heap and people are desperate. They have no food, no shelter, no clothing, no water. Uh, they, they have no liberty. They have no, no heat. They, you know, they, don't, they don't have anything, and they're on their knees begging for, for a substance to survive. And that's where they come and say, ah, we'll, we'll take care of you. Don't worry. Uh, just sign here, and uh, everything is going to be good. <laughs> and let us, let us put this chip in your head, so this will help, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and speaking of that, so many have warned about a big collapse or some big catastrophe that they will cause in order to do what you just said, cause this scenario where everybody's on their knees. Save us with this digital money and with all your 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 so-called solutions your vaccines and your chips in your arm and you so uh what do you think and it all a lot of it has to do with the banking system right the currency and the federal reserve and the bank of international settlements and the and you know these central banks that control through economics and through lending do you are, think? Do are, you think are they we're on, about to cause a collapse? I mean, yeah. Do you think we're just, on the verge of a collapse? I mean, we're putting you on the spot here, but what do you what do you well, think? Well, Brian, that's pretty easy. Yes, the answer is yes, and you can see it. We're I think we're, we're more than on the verge. I think we're sort of in it. Um, a lot of people feel it much more than uh, some of us who are still hanging on there by the skin of our teeth. But a lot of people are are really desperate. And they're getting along now because they're getting these checks from the government now and then. And, um, all, but all of that is going to come with very strong restrictions. And uh, there are a lot of, you know, take a look at the homeless people. Could you ever believe in America you'd see, you'd see so many people living in, in shacks underneath bridges in, in America? I mean, no. I mean, I'm an old guy, and ever since I was a kid, we never saw that kind of thing. That was what America. We all. I was raised on the east side of Detroit. It wasn't the best part of town, but at least we had a roof over our head and, and water came out of a pipe. And, and somehow, my family always managed to get a little bit of money, and uh, I could go down and buy a hot dog and a Pepsi Cola. That was my might be my lunch, but at least I never starved more than that. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. You know, but, and there there may well be food shortages. And oh, famine. Indeed. I mean, they're, it, it'll they're be working on it. Yeah, it's true that the scenes. Man-made you're you're, sam- you're absolutely right too. And I grew up in Detroit, Man-made by the way, also. Famine. But, but yeah, the scenes that we see in a city like Los Angeles, and it's not just the big cities alone. You'd associate that when I was growing up with like Calcutta. Yes. You know, you'd well, expect yeah. to see that there. Yeah. Well, but, so that's that's the there it is in a nutshell. This is the design to destroy, not to fix but to make worse, so that in the final analysis, nobody asks any questions. They just say, well, what are you going to do to help me? Uh, I'll do whatever you say, just you help me. I want food, I want shelter, I want warmth, you know, I want clothing, I want health care, I want to live. And just, so that's the strategy. It's a very fundamental, brilliant strategy. It works, and um, it's incredible to me how many people, they're looking at it, they're staring at it, they still can't see it. They really believe these uh, these people, these authorities who say, oh, well, that's a real big problem, isn't it? Well, 
Just trust us. We'll fix that. Give us more power and more tax money, and everything will be fine. Yep. Vote for do us. You, I want it. Do you think that more people are waking up to this, though? Um, I mean, we talked about in our last podcast with you that you need you know, 15% of the people to be aware and awake, and you can do a lot with that. Uh, do you think that's grown? Do you think that's a still a you know a a realistic number that exists right now that at least fifteen percent are awake, or do you think it's gotten up to be you know a lot higher than that? I mean, it's hard to tell, but it is hard. It's hard to tell because we uh, at least I speak for myself. I travel in circles of people that are awake. Now, uh, my neighbor, if I went two or three houses away from here, I probably find that they're sound asleep, but I don't. I don't know them. <laughs> Strange and right. sad maybe. Uh, I all the people I know for after years of selectivity, I, they seem to be pretty well informed, and that's how it works. So I, I really don't know. I I have a feeling though, a very strong feeling, that we have reached the fifteen percent that do really understand enough of it to realize the essence of, of what we're talking about. Destruction is the plan, and the solution is tyranny. I think they, they understand that at some level now, and I think it's 15% the only di- or more. The only problem is that they don't know that they're in 15%. They think they're in 0%. So our job, if we want to build some kind of a, a counter-movement, is to get all these people together and say, hey, meet each other. Go shake hands. Quit talking to each other over the Internet. Get out in person. Go to meetings. Go visit them at their home. Uh, go down to the coffee shop and have coffee with them and talk about what are we going to do about this. Exactly. And I want to get I want to get to that in just a moment. But I, I had one other question I wanted to ask you about somebody that's really in the news, Elon Musk. You know, on the one hand, Elon Musk, we understand, is a past graduate of the World Economic Forum's Young Global Leaders Program. He seems to be doing so many good things at Twitter, though. I see. I even see the spillover influence on Facebook, which, of course, he doesn't own. But I see more freedom and more contrary voices that are um, even visible on Facebook now. But specifically on Twitter, I want to mention a quick poll. He just did one of his famous 24-hour polls. Very simple question he asked, Do you think the World Economic Forum should rule the world? And he had, I think, a few million people answer, and the results were 15%. This is the, this is flipped around. 15% said that yes, they think the WEF should rule the world. So 85% did not think the WEF should rule the rule the world. Now I'm sure that was a somewhat uh, biased poll in terms of people that answered it. But uh, what is your opinion of Elon Musk? Is he? Is he for real? Is he a genuine uh, freedom fighter? Because he seems to have gone against the WF. He, you know, he's turned against them and he's exposing them. And is that for real or is it playing games with us? Well, I hope you'll forgive me when I... I'm just going to answer that very bluntly. Yeah, I, we're out of time to quit you know, talking around these topics. Yep. Uh, I don't think these people change their stripes. Uh, and I, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it. Years ago, I spent a lot of time down in the communist bookstore in Los Angeles, the People's Bookshop. 
and I was trying to learn about communism. They thought I was interested in becoming a commie. But anyway, I was down there just to find out what was going on. It was my early stages of enlightenment before I realized that communism and Nazism were pretty much the same thing. I thought, well, gee, I have to choose sides, don't I? Because the, these people hate each other. And so anyway, the point is I spent a lot of time down there. And one of the things I did is I acquired the, the uh, collected works of Vladimir Ilyich Lenin. And I learned what Leninism was all about. And in a nutshell, Leninism is, a, is all about a single strategy, and that is how to come to power. Whatever you have to do, comrades, whatever you have to do, comrades, mm. you must come to power. And one of the things that he talked about a lot was false leadership, controlled opposition. He said, for example, comrades, if, if we are trying to come to power in a country with a strong national tradition and a reverence for uh, the founding fathers and all those things and uh, the nationalistic feelings, do we go out there and say, we want to put an end to all of that, we want internationalism and we want communism and not what you guys have got? Don't be silly, comrades. They will reject us. We tell them what they want to hear, he said, over and over again. And then they will like us. They will follow us. And we will do good things that they want us to do, even things against our best interest. We do it, comrades, because it is our path to power. Mm. They will elect us into power. They will support us. They will trust us. And then we will, we will betray them. And he spoke in very plain English. You know, he's the, he, he was a very quotable guy. said things like, promises are like pie crusts made to be broken, and that kind of thing. A very quotable guy. And that's, that's, that's uh, Leninism. Now, having realized that that was a, a, a strategy that was for, and still is, taught in communist strategy schools of how to lead your own opposition with your own people pretending to be your enemies. And then you trust them, and you follow them, and then at the end of the line, when you just about think you're going to win, something happens and they back down, like so many of our congressional um, bills that go through Congress. Right. Oh, there's, a, there's a good bill. Oh, I think we got support for it. Oh, we lost it again by one vote or something like that. Over and over and over again. Doesn't anybody see that? Don't, well, they, of course, they see it, but they don't recognize it because they have never read Lenin. So now I get to the answer to your question. I have read Lenin. I see this as a Leninist ploy. Hmm. I don't think that uh, Musk changed his spot. Uh, I think he's just simply doing what he's doing to come to power. And later he can undo all of those things. Well, he tried. But just for example, uh, when, early when Musk was talking about you know, acquiring Twitter and, and removing all of these horrendous restrictions on free speech, I don't know if you caught it or not. It was sort of tucked in among a lot of other fast-moving data. But he said, yeah, we're going to absolutely have no limitations on free speech. That's ridiculous. Even, even the kind of speech that we don't like. You gotta, if you want freedom, you have to grant freedom to others, too. And I thought, yeah, okay, I've heard that before. I believe it. Now, does Musk believe it is the question, or is he right. saying it? And then he answers his own question. Back there, you look at the papers and you'll see that he said, no, the only, the only reason we would restrict speech is if, if there was a law against it. I think I did see that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a big that's caveat. Everybody. That's a big caveat. That's, that's the total caveat. Yeah. 
because all they got to do is just pass a law. So no, you, that's hate speech for you to say that. To speak right. against uh, to speak this uh, speak against this vaccine or against it. And the slogan for it is uh, we 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 will do what is necessary. The end justifies the means. That's what they. I think there was a guy named Machiavelli that even uh, predated Lenin by a bit. Yeah, said that. Yeah, the leader has to appear to be virtuous and to support the people, and that is such a pretense. People need to see. Machiavelli. Machiavelli is interesting too because yes, he did say that. But if you remember, he also said it's a good thing to alternate between being cruel and being kind. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that. Alternated. He said you get people afraid of you fearful of you, that's necessary. That's number one. But then after they're totally afraid of you, you do some nice things and kind things and generous things, and they're so anxious for that kind of a view that they just fall for it. And then now they love you, even though they hate you deep down in your heart, but you're doing kind things for them, and now they love you. And he said, you alternate back and forth to keep them in that state of, of insecurity as to and unbalanced. Yeah, Machiavelli was he brought the the uh, other part into which it, is so. just what abusers do. But know. but I want to we we're now getting we're now close to winding up. So I want to ask you what you you were touching on it. I think when you were talking about going out and meeting with people. But what advice do you have to us freedom people to try to expand our influence? To in other words, solutions. What can we do positive in addition to being educated? Well, that's that's pretty easy to answer in the first part. There are two parts to that. Is, uh, is first of all, we got to get together. As I said earlier, we have the fifteen percent, in my view, maybe maybe thirty percent or something like that. A lot of people are waking up, and they have enough of the picture. Uh, maybe they don't have what we were just talking about, but they're ready for it. They understand it now, and so. We'll, that's not the problem of the numbers. The problem is how do we get those numbers to talk to each other and to meet with each other and to join with each other in some kind of a, of a broad coalition, a liberty coalition, to, be, to stop becoming truth seekers and become truth warriors. And, and that's, one, what, that's one, what my whole life is, has been dedicated to for the last uh, year or so, is to get, this, get those truth seekers to get out of their houses and... Uh, off of their emails, you can't win this battle by sending emails. You've got to get out where the action is. You've got to get into organizations. You've got to be active in politics. You've got to be active in the Kiwanis Club, in your labor union, at the university level. You've got to be active or nothing will change. Excellent. And one thing, one place where you have organized uh, a forum for people to meet is the Red Pill Expo. So we're going to come to the close of our show now uh we thank you for being with us really appreciate it uh, thanks find out about the red pill expo people and well, go to red pill university find out when is your next one edward real quick a good place is redpilluniversity.org okay thanks so much and yes we want to know when the next one is go to that website site yeah. to bless your neighbor get active We'll see you in the coffee shop. Yes. <laughs> okay. Till next week, everybody. Bye. Join us next Saturday at noon for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis, seek to educate and activate Christians at a grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. 
Next week, we will cover another major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.